Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1,000 Recordings podcast, episode 54. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me as always every week, who many refer to as the birth of the cool, Mitchell Davis. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> how's it going? It's going good. Um, I'm glad to be back. We've been gone for a couple months, um, just being busy, and then the holidays rolled around, and yep. both happy got new year. busy. Yeah, happy new year. <laughs> yeah, first recording of 2015. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And uh, when did we start this thing? 2012? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. It's, it seems like it's been about two, two and a half years, something like that. Okay. Uh, but, uh, cool. Yeah, it's going, still going. Not not as frequent as first uh, when we started, but I think in a way that's good. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think, you know, we'll always have, you know, these long gaps, you know, between shows, but you know, you know, sometimes, especially on a show like this, where, you know, the focus on a particular artist, uh, you know, can be really deep. You know, I think it's it's better yeah. to have a, a time where we lay off and, and kind of reflect, so to speak. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think it. Pro- I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there that would love to have one every week, but I think there's probably other people out there that um, could probably use the time to digest what we've done <laughs> so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, if you want to let us know, let us know if you think it's True. cool, but if you want more episodes, I don't know. We, we want to hear from you guys if you know, whatever you think. So, yeah. Um, hear anything. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever's on your mind, just let us know. Um, so yeah, Miles Davis. So this, whole show is about miles davis yeah um and even next week we've got in our next show i I need to stop saying next week next show uh we uh have another album of miles davis so um yeah so five albums of miles davis that we're uh gonna end up covering um and uh this episode uh it's just the way it works out it's going to be all miles davis we're going to start with his album sketches of spain that he did with gil evans and then we're going to move to uh the album highlights from the plug nickel and then we're going to end with in a silent way and just speaking overall on these albums one thing that amazed me is that uh these albums span less than 10 years yeah, but stylistically they are drastically different. Yeah, um, yeah. almost like three completely different artists or groups. I mean, very, very true, and and, yeah. and just a great sort of testament to the tenacity of of this man to constantly stay ahead, reinvent himself, reinvent everything. You know. And uh, and his willingness to kind of, you know, be open to to new things and and take criticism and take, you know, audiences, you know, sort of getting up and walking out on 
on shows. I mean, you know, that's hard to imagine somebody getting up and walking out on a Miles Davis show. But, um, you know, I'm sure Miles endured all kinds of real, you know, you know, strange criticisms from people that, you know, were, were traditionalist about what, what jazz was supposed to be. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and this is just a great, like you said, these three records, it's, it's a great reflection of that, that period in in his career or different periods where he kind of had to deal with, you know, the variety of, of that, you know, the, the changes, the changes, if you will, but, but still staying true to himself and being a true artist and surrounding himself with some, some crazy talented people. So always, man, he, he was great at, I don't know how he did it, but great at always finding these really young up and coming uh, performers who at the time when they, when most of them started playing with Miles Davis were really kind of unknown. Yeah. And somehow he, you know, he kept discovering these people like all the way up into the eighties, you know, he kept discovering these people. Yeah, uh, yeah, where he was I, I in think, the eighties, he was playing with like John Schofield, like young John Schofield, and all this stuff, and he just he he kept being able to do that somehow. Yeah, I, I think like in in sports, the way you have a good scout that goes out for looks and looks for talent, Miles could see that, like like immediately, he had like this this intuition where he could see not just the way a person played, but the spirit of a person, and and what they could do beyond what you saw on the surface. Um, you know, I, I think he had a, a really good keen sense of that, you know, obviously, because like you said, it throughout his career, he, he just surrounded himself with, with what seemed like to be the best of the best. And like you said, it would be people like, who the hell are these people up here? <laughs> you know, but they would just groove. I mean, you know, I mean, that was the one thing about miles is he, he, he was so concentrated on, you know, having a, a flow of, of creativity that was always ahead, you know, above everybody else that, and then sometimes it would be hard to kind of grasp, you know, where it was like, you know, what are they doing? You know, but still it was like, you know, let's just trust him because it's, it's miles. You know? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Yeah. And, and he, I think he recognized, um, that who you surround yourself with, makes a huge impact on what you're doing you know um and he was never the type that wanted to just uh be complacent you know with whatever he was doing he wanted to continually break new ground and continuously do new things and and move the genre forward and not just forward but sideways and all kinds of directions Mm -hmm. and uh he realized that you know one way to do that was to constantly surround himself with fresh new perspectives, which yeah. he, he did constantly, you know, all the time. Um, and uh, we'll see when we start talking about these albums, you know, the constant is Miles Davis, right? Everybody else changes all the time. Yeah, he was always at the center, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's, you know, the music is definitely Miles Davis, but it's also heavily... Uh, I don't know, changed by whoever is in his group, you know, whoever he surrounds himself with. And uh, yeah, so the his, I don't know, his life, man, is such a storied life. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, where do we start? 
where do we begin? You know, I mean, do, do we go into all this? Um, uh, well, <clears throat> they, they're, they're making a movie. Oh, right. Him. With Don Cheadle, right? Yeah. And, and I know that it, it's, it's hard to put all of what Miles Davis was into a single film. I mean, I mean, the film would be like four hours long. I mean, to do it the right way. I mean, it would be a long, crazy. Yeah. You, you couldn't. You couldn't do it. I mean, you'd have to highlight certain parts of his life, and that's not even fair. But, um, yeah, yeah. Miles was he was multi-dimensional like no other artist I've ever come across. I mean, I mean, in his personal life, his life as a performer his life as an overall artist where he, he played and arranged and wrote and, and, and challenged. And yeah, he's, he's a deep guy. And I mean, he's one of those guys too, where you, you could not really put him. I mean, obviously miles is always, you know, first a jazz artist, but he was so much more than that. Really. I mean, you, you couldn't really put him in a category you know, when it came to some of the music that he made, I mean, you know, like, like Sketches of Spain, you know, I mean, it's when when you first talked to me about this record way back when we worked together, I really was not that familiar with the record. But when I listened to it, you know, after we talked about it and, and heard the nature of it on on the classical side, I was like, this is not what I think of when I think Miles Davis. You know, I don't even remember talking to you about this. Oh yeah, back then. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I well, well, I do. <laughs> I, I remember you saying that 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 sketches of Spain was just just a tremendous record, in a sense to where it had such. I mean, I mean, obviously we're gonna we're, we're talking, you know, but we're gonna talk, you know, in in the sense of the arrangement and the way it brought certain types of music together. Yeah, you know where where it hadn't really been done before. I mean, he was. He was the king of fusion, you know. He was the king of, of listening to music that he he would like, and then, you know, in that gravelly voice, I want to try that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sure that was his 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 way of you know, of of saying you know whatever, you know whatever he would hear as far as classical music or rock and roll, or soul and funk, you know, or or sort of you know, the psychedelic sounds and music of that time. Miles is like I. I want. <laughs> I want Mitch back. I don't know what just happened. Hold on, technical difficulties. Okay, I think the call dropped. Uh, <laughs> I think it did. <laughs> yeah, but that's cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I think he. Um, he was just one of those guys that. Miles obviously liked jazz, but he liked so much more than that. I mean, as far as the the way music would come off in in different genres, and you know, he was just really cool in the sense to where he would try all kinds of crazy different stuff that people normally would think, you know, that's that's not going to work, you know. But Miles like, well, well, let's just try it, you know, let's just see. That's that's a good point. If someone, if this album didn't exist. And someone came up to me and said, you know what would be a good idea? If you took the Concierto de Aranjuez and then 
did like a, a big band, like a jazz arrangement of it, and then have the trumpet play off the guitar part, I'd be like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But yep. uh, it, it <laughs> worked unbelievably well. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and also, too, in a sense to where Miles, as, as strong a presence as he could be with that horn, knew how to be very delicate and, and very, you know, nuanced in a sense to where, you know, he didn't want to override, you know, what was going on with the, with the piece. You know, he was so smart in the way that he injected himself into whatever. I mean, there are certain songs that on some of these compositions where you barely hear him, you know, but he's there. He's always there. He's always in the middle. I mean, most of the time, you know, it's it could be the other people around him that you hear, you know, predominantly like, you know, Chick Corea or or, or John McLaughlin or whoever. But but Miles is always he's always there somehow or another, you know, in the mix, you know, and it's, sometimes it's real. It's real pronounced and sometimes it's not, you know, and um, he was always more concerned about the piece, it seemed, than his position inside it. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, let's let's segue to our first record. Cool. Um, Sketches of Spain, uh, uh, we mentioned before, released in 1960. And uh, this was a project between Miles Davis and jazz composer and arranger Gil Evans, which they did many different projects and collaborations together. This is probably <clears throat> the best known one um, or maybe the most famous one in which Gil Evans takes uh, Spanish music and uh, particularly music of Joaquin Rodrigo um, who who was a Spanish composer um, who was blind and who but who was a pianist and wrote much of the music that is now considered to be quintessentially Spanish. Yeah. Um, a kind of like uh, the Spanish equivalent of, of Aaron Copeland. So um, Aaron Copeland wrote all the music, the sort of orchestral music in the 20th century that we now identify as sounding American. Hmm. Um Rodrigo wrote the music that is sort of identified as Spanish. And he wrote this piece called the Concierto de Arranjes, which was a concerto for classical guitar and orchestra. And uh, I, I think he wrote it in like 1939 or something. And this is the piece that Gil Evans took, specifically the second movement, the Adagio movement, and kind of reimagined um, for his jazz orchestra and miles davis and uh that's the first track that we're going to check out is adagio um and i don't know i mean i you know you said we we talked to or i talked to you about this 20 years ago when we worked at the record store which i think is kind of amazing in itself that we were talking about this 20 years ago and now we're here talking about it again yeah, yeah, but, it's one of the first conversations I remember us having. Um, yeah, wow. honestly, you know, because you know it, it's one of those records that I I knew about, but I didn't really, you know, I hadn't really listened to it, 
you know, I just it was one of those things in passing where I see the cover and I see, you know, the little tiny miles on the front with the with his horn and I was like, oh, okay, it's just another Miles Davis album. But but it really was not, you know. I mean it was it was a total departure really from what he had been doing previous to that. Um yeah. like you said, you know, you know, jazz classical orchestra, you know, is is what is assembled on this record, you know, and and I mean it, it's very apparent, like you said, when you when you first listen to this piece. You know, and and the fact that it's it's taken from a, an original piece that's so much so much older, you know, so much more traditional, you know, like like you said, where it comes to the roots of of, of Spanish, I guess what you would consider Spanish classical music, you know, or even Spanish folk music. Um, the the idea, like you said, to to sort of make a, a new sort of modern version of that, the way they did it too. You know, infusing the, the different instruments is a, uh, it's it's really really a cool concept, and a concept like a lot of people didn't appreciate initially. Um, a lot of people thought that Miles was sort of, you know, I guess turning his back on, especially the 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 bebop style of of jazz that was so famous, you know, that had made him so famous up to that point. Um, but uh, it's it's just such a great, you know, um, amazing record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the oh, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's one thing that comes to my mind whenever I listen to it is that the atmosphere that this record puts out. I mean it's 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 so amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, speaking of the atmosphere, um, and yeah, I mean, Miles Davis contributes greatly to the atmosphere. We cannot, um understate Gil Evans role as well. I mean, I, I really see their roles as equal on this album. Um, Gil Evans, I mean, his, his arrangement is, is so unique. Um, especially, you know, you don't have to know the original piece to be able to appreciate this, obviously, but if you do know the original piece, it really heightens your, appreciation of what Gil Evans did um his I mean one of the things in the excerpt I'm going to play is um uh and I would listen to it with headphones so you can really hear it but yeah his scoring of the low brass and like the low woodwinds in this section that I'm going to play is so cool I mean they have this like really slow meandering movement sort of underlying the <clears> texture <throat> I mean, this is something that it doesn't exist in the original Rodrigo piece. You know, this is something totally original for that Evans yeah. brought to it. Um, his just, I don't know. His, that's one thing I loved about this was his reimagining of the orchestration and the arrangement is just so unique. I mean, it's, it's still Rodrigo, but it's done entirely in Evans own voice, you know, and he creates, just like you said, this, this amazing atmosphere around where Miles Davis can, um, ten, can work, I guess. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, in the music, uh, Miles Davis, his role in the music is he's basically playing off of what was originally the part for classical guitar. And hmm. he sort of weaves in and out of that part. Of what the original part was so he's at least 
partly reading written music and and then partly improvising because he'll sort of go in and out of that part that existed originally if that makes sense yeah um, yeah exactly yeah and uh the logistics I, I i mean i can't imagine the logistics of doing something like this of of bringing something like this together where you have you know an arrangement an orchestration in the orchestra part and then you have a soloist who's reading music but then going off on tangents and improvising and coming back and and then holding it all together is uh i'm i'm not sure how you even do that well <laughs> but, I, it, it takes i think what it what i think of between gill and miles is a tremendous amount of trust first of all uh, in each other and what they were both kind of doing because without that this is not going to work um and i mean I, i'm going to talk more about that too with with the plug nickel uh set i mean if if there's not trust between especially the two of them this could have been this could have been a disaster oh <laughs> you know? yeah yeah um but i think because of the talent level of the both of them you know gill's vision of of arrangement and how each piece can fit on on each each arrangement so to speak you know second for second you know each little nuance i mean that's that's a gift that not a lot of people have you know to put a piece together like this um you know and then for miles to be able like you said, to inject himself here and there to enhance it as well is uh, is a testament to both of them, you know. And like I said, they they have to trust each other, you know, because the resting musicians on this, and there's some great musicians on this record, but it's really the two of them that kind of keep everything going along. Everybody else is kind of like a, a unit that that functions fine, but but Miles and and, and Gill really, you know, they have to really have a a rapport, I guess, or like I said, a an understanding to to really help this kind of you know work and uh, yeah. and it and it does. I mean, it's 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 a it's an awesome record. I mean, it's you know it's it's for the, like I said for the time when it came out, you know, a lot of people were were kind of you know what the hell in you know, but it's it's still like it's 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 a major major recording for for Miles Davis. I mean, you know, for him to to take this style of music, yeah. you know, where it's it's really it's it's jazz, it's classical, and kind of sort of like a world music feel with the Spanish mm-hmm. influence. I mean, that's that's amazing. I mean, it it happens a lot now. You know, there are a lot of artists who are you know putting out records nowadays like this, but back then, this really was not, especially for Miles Davis. You know, uh, a jazz artist, a black man who, you know, for the most part was, you know, seeped in a certain style of jazz, breaking away from that and doing something on a scale like this, it was ballsy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Miles Davis. He was he was one of the ballsiest persons in music ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we keep saying. That's what he kept doing over and over again in his career. Um is yeah just doing ballsy moves like this over and over mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, let's listen to this first track. Cool. Um, this is the Adagio from Sketches of Spain. 
And we just heard Adagio from Sketches of Spain. And we're going to move on to Saeta. Um, this is the only Gil Evans original piece on the record. And uh, basically, Evans' directive to Miles Davis was that he was supposed to emulate um, the extended incantations of a Muslim prayer leader or muezzin. I don't know. I'm probably not saying that right. Um, so he's supposed to kind of emulate with his trumpet the, I don't, I don't know, you know, the, the meter and the timbre and the rhythm of a Muslim prayer leader during prayer during these incantations in prayer. Um, and Miles said it was like the hardest thing he had to do on the whole record, which is um, was surprising to me. But uh, yeah, he said it was the most difficult thing for him to do. Um, I don't know. What did you think of this track? Uh, it's, 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 it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I, I go back to the whole issue with atmosphere. This is one one track that kind of stood out to me, where the 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 harmony in in this this particular track, I love it. I mean the 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 way it sounds, the 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 rhythm of it. You know, like you said, the it's it's almost like a like a meditation piece, and um, you know, I, I I'm I'm not surprised. You know, like like you described it, you know, where it's, it's like the, 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 the prayer, you know, the, the Muslim prayer, you know, I guess, like you said, that they do in the morning. I think that's what you said it. I, I, I can get that, you know, I mean, it's, it's not exactly like, like what the, what would sound, I guess, but I mean, it's, you know, you can hear the influence and it's just one of those, those things that jumped out at me. Like I said, it just, it has just such this, this sort of, you know, evoking mellow type spirit to me. I mean, when I, when I first heard it, you know, yeah. And, uh, well, the know, harmony, really... sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Just, just a really beautiful piece. That's all I was going to say. Well, the, the harmony here is like when, when miles is soloing, it's like completely static, right? It's almost like a drone. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, you mentioned he was coming from, his bebop era earlier. I mean, this is like as far from bebop as you can get. Yeah. Just having like one static harmony going on and then just improvising these melodic lines, not harmonic lines melodic lines over it. This was like the antithesis to bebop. Um, and I wonder how much influence this particular thing had on, uh, kind of blue because kind of blue was like, um, also sort of similar where he would just take one harmony basically and then it would go for a long time and you would solo over that one harmony. Yeah. Um, that's what's happening here. Um, and like you said, it is it is beautiful and it's very meditative and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this one? No, just like I said, I mean, that's the first thing that jumped out at me was the the just the beauty of the piece and and the the mood it sets i mean you know that like like you said the the issue with him just kind of you know sticking to 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 one kind of you know you know static note if you will it, 
he was really good at that. I mean, he was yeah. he was someone who he didn't have to say a lot to say a lot, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? totally. He his his trumpet spoke volumes sometimes with just one or two notes, whereas other people had to, you know, blur out maybe like a hundred to match what Miles was doing. Right. And um, you know, that's a, a great talent to have. Um and, and Miles had that, you know, big time. Well, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, it's just important to remember that um, no one else was doing anything like this at the time. Yeah. And, I mean, he was stretching himself, man, really just push pushing himself. I mean, you, you we always talk about think outside the box. I mean, he was way outside the box on yeah, this. Yeah, Miles, Miles smashed the box. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a good he, way of putting it. He did. He smashed the box continuously throughout yeah. his career. Um, and then out of smashing the box, he would create new boxes that a bunch yep. of people would get into. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and I, I, I love the fact that, like you said, he, he would surround himself with, with you know, just amazing people. And and that was one of the things that it would really, you know, help elevate him, you know, to to new to new levels. So, yeah, um, yeah. And it, it was just continuous until the day he passed away. I mean, you know, I mean, we we won't talk about it in in from the book, but you know, the one of the last records Miles did was like a that Doobop album. I don't know if you remember that record. Um, no, it had it had like like hip-hop beats on it you know like it it had like the epmd's you know beat for um you know some of the their first album where it was like it was like miles you know sort of leaning towards you know the the hip-hop generation and i mean that was something again you know people were outraged (laughs) you know but it was still it was just it was just miles being miles he was always going to be cool he was always going to try to take on you know different challenges and uh that's what I, I i have i have so much respect for him where you know he he was great at at the craft of of making new stuff new music you know yeah. more so than a lot of folks so mm-hmm. yeah man let's check out this uh second track from sketches of spain this is Sayeta.
And we just heard Saeta from Sketches of Spain. And we're going to move on to our second album, Highlights from the Plug Nickel, released in 1965. And uh, just five years later from Sketches of Spain. Again, this is, like I said in the intro, it's totally different. Uh, <laughs> absolutely different than uh, Sketches of Spain. It's in a way, I, I hear it as... Uh, in in certain ways kind of a return to his roots kind of thing sort of like a like a kind of like a back to the club kind of document <laughs> you know yeah. um and it has and it's an amazing lineup so it's a completely different lineup again um on saxophone there was wayne shorter piano herbie hancock bass ron carter drums tony williams and they, at the time, these were all young, relatively unknown players. Uh, and they would all go on to uh, become huge names. Oh, yeah. um, Wayne Shorter would become huge in the jazz world, a uh, major uh, composer of jazz music. And uh, Herbie Hancock, of course, would um, have a lot of, a lot of success, uh, like Miles, sort of crossing over. Yeah, um, yeah especially in the 70s and 80s. But, uh, yeah, um, this is just a live document um, from this uh, club in Chicago, the Plug Nickel. Um, and it's this group just getting together and getting down and just playing some live jazz in front of an enthusiastic crowd. And, uh, yeah, the first track that we're going to talk about is called Walkin'. And these are all tracks from other out. They're either from other Miles Davis albums or they're standards by other people. Um, it's a very much just a live set, a live club set. Yeah. yeah. And and I think an, another thing too with this this particular set, the issue is obviously, like you said, a lot of these songs are, are familiar songs that that Miles had had already you know in his sort of repertoire, if you will, would, but. What I understand is they they wanted to change the way they 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 played these songs sometimes in a very dramatic fashion to where it was maybe either faster or slower or or expanded where they they would draw out certain parts and and sort of give it a new spin and and inject different things and and from from what I understand, also too, the the drummer Tony Williams said, I mean, reading reading about when they were flying into Chicago to do this, they wanted to do an anti jazz set, which you know, obviously that already is you you're like, okay, what does that mean, you know? <laughs> but I I think you know it was just another issue of of Miles being with a bunch of guys who they already knew the material, like the back of their hand. They were already very seasoned, very creative guys who almost had a sort of telepathy between each other. And it was just like, you know what, let's just do something different, you know, while we're here that, you know, maybe people will remember as as being a, a very creative period. And that's what I think of with with this whole this whole set. I mean, I mean, obviously, the this is just a sec this section that we're talking about, this record we're talking about is a smaller portion of a, a really a really big box set that came out um this huge box set and and it's like one of the first times i think i guess well maybe like one of the the, the different times that 
a whole, you know, concert series of of shows. The whole thing was recorded and and put you know down. You know, every night, every second of of, of these shows. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, they they talk about how, you know, the the guys on on stage, you know, were were would be playing, and and somehow or another, you know, could just steer, you know in different directions, you know, not, not really even knowing at times wh- where they were going to go exactly with the way they would, would play certain, certain, certain tunes, you know, that were standards that people were used to hearing a certain way, but they would just flip that, you know? And I mean, to, to be able to do that, you know, on a, you know, sort of Johnny on the spot way, it, 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 it takes a very high level of talent. I'm pretty sure they, you know, they were, some nights were out there kind of like, you know, all right, here we go. But um, I think that was the fun of it because they, yeah. I'm sure as musicians, they get bored with playing the same way every night, especially Miles, you know. Yes. Miles probably couldn't couldn't stand it, you know. It was one of those things like, I'm never going to get stale and we, we're going to keep this fresh. And that, in that sense, you know, that was, that was really cool to have, you know, like you said, you know, Wayne Short or Herbie, you know, who Herbie was like, you know, he was so young. I mean, if you look at some of the pictures, if you can see some of the pictures of him, <laughs> I know he looks like he's like, like in his twenties. I mean, he he looks really, really young. I think he and, was. I think he was in his like his early twenties. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's really cool to be with Miles that young and to have his influence, like you said, where he went on to do and and Wayne Short and and Tony. I mean, it's 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 really a, a crazy you know period for for him to have that that group of guys you know and then so talented so young you know and then and an audience an unsuspecting audience i imagine that came in you know thinking they were going to hear certain songs played a certain way and i mean you hear like you know all these songs that you're you're so used to playing hearing played at a certain way totally tossed at you in a different way in a yeah in a different manner and i mean to have them you know you know totally change the arrangements at times where you don't even recognize the song i mean i'm sure for a lot of people it was like you know what in the world you know but it's again it's miles you yeah you you gotta trust the guy you know i mean well you don't have to i'm pretty sure some people didn't (laughs) but it's it's at this point especially in retrospect you know he's one of those guys that's worth it where even if you go in and it's not like you expect, you know, you, you still stick with it because it's, he's such a musician. He's such a creative person, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's the one thing that I, w- I was taking from this whole set is that they, they really were trying to challenge themselves and their audience, so to speak, to, to what they were normally used to hearing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, the first track, "Walking," uh, I don't, I don't really know the original. Do you know the original one? No, no, I was, yeah. and I was looking at that because the other track we we are gonna talk about, I do know that, and it, I can tell it's like you know this is not the same right. at all. Yeah, that's know? the thing. Yeah, I know the other one too. Um, this one, "Walking," I yeah, unfortunately, I don't know the original one. But man, this is very bebop. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like. Um, kind of harkens back you know to his bebop days in the 40s really fast really frenetic it starts out with this solo right away 
from Miles Davis that's kind of <laughs> you know all over the place. Um, it's funny the I was listening to this and the the only one that sounds laid back in this frenzy is uh, Herbie Hancock. Yeah. So everybody's sort of really frantic. I mean, the bass player, uh, Ron Carter's got these really fast walking bass lines, just walking up and down really fast. The drums are frantic. Somehow Herbie Hancock just sounds like he's super laid back, just playing these really short chords, you know, mm-hmm. in all this frenzy, but it, it works. So it just works totally well. Yeah. yeah I really, I really I, like this track. What did you think of it? Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think that, like I said, they they really did not come in with a, a set mind or, or, or a set way of, of thinking about how they were going to play certain songs. I mean, it was just like you said, it was sometimes very frantic and, you know, and, and crazy. And and I imagine, you know, they you know, they they were just able to play off of each other, you know, like a like a team like a like a team of you know players that had been together for so long and knew each other and knew their abilities and everything to where they could kind of improvise you know night to night and and not sound like you know a mess um and i I, that's what i love about a lot of this you know to where it's 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 sort of kind of raw you know um especially with miles in the middle where where miles was, was was pro I when I think about Miles Davis, um back in the Showtime Lakers days, you know, Magic Johnson had this thing where he would he would throw these bullet passes, you know, and and sometimes it was one of those deals where he wasn't even looking at a guy and would throw this ball as hard as he could to a guy running around, you know, on a court, you know, trying to cut around somebody and catch the ball. And it was just like very split second. And I, that's what I think about with this record is some of this, I imagine Miles was just very split second with decisions on what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And guys just had to adapt, you know. And it was just like one of those deals where either you caught it or you didn't. And uh, right, I'm sure right. a, a lot of the times they did catch it because, you know, they were just, you know, used to being with Miles and and were, you know, kind of prone to, him throwing things out there, so to speak, where it was like, you know, okay, we didn't play this like this yesterday, <laughs> uh, but okay, here we yeah. go. <laughs> you well, know? I mean, yeah, I'm sure these guys were skilled enough to, you know, to roll with it, whatever Miles could could hurl at them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, let's check this out. This first track from Highlights from the Plug Nickel. This is Walkin'.
And we just heard Walkin', and we're going to move on to our second track, All Blues. And this is one track, you know, we talked about um, Kind of Blue on the last podcast. And this is one of those tracks that we did not play uh, from that record. Uh, But uh, I wanted to play it here because it was one of the tracks that I knew, and you know it too, from the original album. And uh, here it's... Again, like you've been saying, it's changed. You know, it's a lot more upbeat and more frantic than the album version. Um, I don't know if that's because there's also a different vibe just just playing live, you know? The original version was done in a very controlled and quiet studio environment, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's got a, a much more laid-back, subdued vibe going on. And here... You know they're they're in front of a live audience. It is a completely different band other than Miles, and you've got you know this synergy happening between not just the performers but the audience too. You know they all work off of each other, <clears throat> and uh, when you've got a receptive audience and stuff, it ups your level of excitement. Oh yeah, <laughs> as a oh, performer, yeah. you know. Um, and so I, I definitely can hear that live energy in this that is not necessarily present in the original recording. So, but they're they're both great. You know, they just both have their own vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Agreed. Just like I said, just it's it's a great set of you know really good musicians taking on a lot of songs that people know. And, and 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 have heard and listened to but you know they they totally have in a lot of ways you know you know gotten on a, on a whole different vibe with with this record and it's it's a great live set um when when this i think when this box set came out um uh, like you said they they had this this one where it was just like a a, a sampler of the whole thing and uh, it was it was one of the first times I I really listened to live recordings of Miles kind of seemingly off the top of the head, you know, where they they totally kind of rework where you 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 listen to it. It's like you know I'm not I'm not used to hearing that song like that, but but it's still cool because you know you kind of hear Miles you know just just going off at times, you know, where you 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 hear his ability and how he can play and. Um, that's fun in itself, and and Tony Williams is a beast. <laughs> that guy is yeah. He's yeah. at times you just hear him just he's killing the drums, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 one of those things that's really focal to this record is 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 how how powerful he is as a player, you know. I mean, and like you said, Ron Ron Carter, you know. He, I mean, it's just is one of the, one of the greatest jazz lineups you'll ever really see you know especially for that period any period you know it's just some some amazing guys you know yeah you know you know my introduction to ron carter was and we've we've talked about this record on this podcast before was that red hot plus cool album oh okay where ron carter was paired up with this french rapper named mc solar yeah yeah that is an awesome track i love that track yeah ron ron has a cool solo kind of towards the end yeah he just everything drops out yeah yeah i remember that and you think french rap 
but it's <laughs> dude it's so cool it's it's so cool i would yeah. check that out if I, yeah. I still i still have that record <laughs> i do too yeah i do too uh, yeah i yeah. think it's a great record but um yeah should we check out this version of all blues cool cool this Let's do is it. uh yeah this is uh our second track from highlights from the plug nickel all blues <laughs> We just heard all blues, and we're going to move on to our third album, In a Silent Way, released in 1969. I guess I should really say that the album that's in the book is the complete In a Silent Way sessions. Yeah. That yeah. was released in, uh, I didn't write it down, 2002 or something like that. Um, and it's, a, it's an important distinction because <clears throat> which one you're listening to. Because... Uh, this the original in silent way uh was released in 1969 and what they did for this album was they recorded a bunch of extended sessions in the studio and then they uh took that material all those raw tapes into the studio and sort of edited together you know chopped it up chopped up the sessions, rearranged them, spliced them together and and sort of created this album out of raw material. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um which, you know, I found 
analogous to and i didn't i didn't and all the stuff i read i didn't see anybody talking about this but um it was analogous to what was going on at the time we talked about uh with the beatles and with brian wilson and the beach boys making pet sounds and all that stuff um around this same time of creating these albums in the studio you know Mm -hmm. recording stuff and then manipulating and splicing and you know creating this stuff in the studio this was going on at the time yeah and miles davis is doing this now with a jazz record um which again he's breaking the box he's he's smashing the box on this album totally smashing it um so on the original album it was arranged uh into sort of a they say like a sonata form a classical sonata form where you'd have the piece uh like for instance on side one you'd have the piece shh that's what it was called and then that was like a track one then track two was peaceful and then track three was return to the first track yeah return to shh and that's how the second side was too but there was as they discovered when they went through the master tapes um, I think it, it probably in the late 90s or something, they discovered like all this other material from the master tapes that was not used yeah. and that is now on this complete in a silent way session. So um, one of the pieces that we're going to listen to was never on the original album, but it was re- recorded in the sessions for the album. So, yeah. Um what what do you think of this album in a silent way? Uh, it's it's uh, again Miles kind of you know obviously you know going in another direction you know um, a, a session where you know people look back and 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 notice the the fusion of of sort of jazz and rock and roll, but really this record is sort of neither of those in a lot of ways it's it's almost like something new in a sense to where you you have a lot of pieces that are you know you know more electric than than miles had ever been before as far as the the instrumentation uh you know you know electric guitar and lots of keyboard and organ and um well he had never been electric before yeah yeah Yeah. exactly and i mean you know that's you know that, in a sense, to where is 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 him definitely breaking some new ground and 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 kind of coming into a, a period where, you know, obviously again some some more criticism and people, you know, Miles is 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 just you know he's watering down the product. He's it's it's damnation, blah blah blah, and and I I think you know one thing that helps with with Miles is he really could care less, you know, <laughs> about a lot of opinions. I mean, I I, I think in some senses. With with his peers, maybe more so that he he could, you know, listen and care. But with with critics, you know, and even maybe his audience per se, I, I think Miles was really he he was he was deaf to a lot of that. He had to be because, you know, he was constantly going into you know territory that was was totally you know new, and uh, especially some of the keyboard and organ stuff on this. I mean. Um, I mean, it's a, a track we're not really going to talk about, but it's about t- it's about that time. That's one song where, again, Miles kind of lays out. You really don't hear him much on that song, but he's there. 
his influence yeah, most yeah. definitely is there. And I mean, it's 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 a song that I really love. I mean, it's it's just um, it's it's like being in outer space <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> where you it's like you're just floating, you know. And and there's a lot of that on this record, you know, where it's 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 like one of the first you know jazz records to kind of have an ambient, you know, sort of weird yeah, psychedelic yeah. feel to it i mean it you know it's it's just really it's it's weird to look back at this record and think that it's one of the first records like it because there's so much now that sounds like this. i know yeah you know it's it's that in it's in its own sense is really really deep you know and 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 i don't think miles gets he gets a lot of credit obviously for being you know a giant in jazz but but an innovator you know, I, I still don't really know if Miles gets all the credit he deserves for the innovation he brought to music as a whole. You know, he was a brave guy. I mean, he was he was a guy that that really, I think, loved, you know, inventing new things, you know, as far as sounds and music. And and again, this is a record, you know, it has some amazing people on it. Uh Joe Zawanu and um Chick Corea and John McLaughlin. I mean, just some awesome creative people, you know, and, and it just Miles could, he could sniff out talent from a mile away, you know, and um, uh, no pun intended. Uh, he was just one of those guys that was, he was so intuitive when it came to, to bringing in folks to help him, you know, sort of see his vision through it. I think this album too is also sort of like a you know like a a preview of what was to be with bitches brew you know yeah. in a big yes, way yes and um you know that that's another record obviously we'll, we'll talk about it next time but well these um, two records were i see them as like a preview for the, the entire the almost the entirety of jazz in the 70s <laughs> yeah 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 the, the electric yeah. side of it especially re you know the 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 insurgence of it or whatever the the bringing out of it yeah i mean it's it's definitely you know an important period you know an important influence where where people would look to miles you know sort of as a trailblazer um and 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 what he was doing and, and would take off from there you know um and i mean okay you know i know you know herbie hancock his his headhunters record, I think, was was so influenced by Miles, in in so many ways. And I mean, and we'll we'll talk about that record obviously later on, but but that was a record that I think you 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 don't have that record without Miles Davis doing a lot of stuff he's doing here. And even though that record's much different, you know, the influence is is definitely there. Yeah. Where yeah. where it's it's just a very very different sound for that period a very groundbreaking sound that that not only was was huge for jazz but was just big for music period you know and i i think that's another thing with miles and and this record too you know it 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 had people raise their their attention to where now all of a sudden miles is is not necessarily the guy that's that's looking at other musics and sort of you know being influenced by them but he's the influence, you know, and, and and I guess it's vice versa, even, you know, where, you know, he, you know, my, most people don't look at Miles as being a rock star, 
you know, per se. But I, I, I'm pretty sure Miles would, would, would tell you he was even more than that. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, in, yeah. In a lot of ways. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, the first track that we're going to listen to is called Shh slash Peaceful. And um, I just have to point out again, this is, a, this is a different listening experience than if you listen to the original record. Because yeah. this is the unedited, you know, raw footage, I guess, raw studio footage <clears throat> that they took from. Um, and this is, but I, listening to it, uh, I love this track. One of the things that stood out to me is John McLaughlin, um, the yeah. guitarist. And I think it's cool to hear this in Miles Davis music because he never really played with guitar before. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't a sound that you, that was in Miles Davis's music before. And to my knowledge, he never really played with a guitar player before this. Yeah. And then you bring in McLaughlin and I, and I think the story is amazing because um I can't remember who it was. One of the members of the band knew about John McLaughlin and brought John McLaughlin who was really young again, really young at the time. Uh brought McLaughlin to Miles Davis apartment the night before the sessions. Oh my God. <laughs> and Miles Davis literally met this guy the night before these sessions. Yeah. And Miles heard him play just in his apartment and was just so blown away by him. He was just like, hey, why don't you come down to the studio tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. see, that that's why I love Miles Davis. <laughs> yeah, and then this guy shows up at the studio, and I'm telling you, man, this would be a totally different record if McLaughlin wasn't present on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, um, he, he's really present on this track. And it's cool because you can hear McLaughlin's style you can hear, you know, in his playing what would later become, you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra yeah. and Shakti and all this stuff that he did in the 70s. Um, I don't know. That's that's what really stood out to me about this track, you know, because it's cool. You, you mentioned the piano organ duet, you know, and they really lay down this this really cool groove um, with the drummer. And then uh, McLaughlin just sort of, um, you know, d- does his thing over it, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's very cool. Very different sound than previous. Very late 60s rock, psychedelic, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What did you think of, of this track? Yeah, pretty much basically all of what you said. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a way that, you know, Miles would would sort of, you know, put himself out there. His his whole his whole being is is in this record. And like I said, even moments where he's not playing, his influence is there. It's it it never never leaves this record. Like I said, even when you have long periods where you don't hear him play a note, you know, his 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 DNA, his thumbprint, whatever you want to call it is all over this record, you know, and the, the influence that he has is, is, is totally undeniable. And, and the fact that, you know, he can sort of, you know, be in the groove, but not, you know, be playing on it to me, that in itself is, is, is just really amazing where, you know, he can, he can sort of lay back. And then when he comes in, you know, it's, 
it's it it doesn't change you know he's it's still it's still going the way it was going but you know I, I that's one thing i love about him is this sort of you know his just his basic influence you know the where he can he can kind of you know like you said get get these people together and um you know no matter what it is you know like it's it's jazz rock you know no no matter what it his influence is 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 so there you know and i i think you know like this this particular recording like you said it, it's interesting to hear it you know in its sort of original form where it's kind of unedited um to hear all the different things that didn't make it on the on the first version of this record mm-hmm. and then kind of and kind of go back and, and listen and, and compare um you know all the different ideas that 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 would come in and out um you know i, I just see miles having so many different ideas in his head all at one time and trying to get them all out and and make it work i'm sure that was a, a challenge in itself but it was just so much fun i imagine especially when you know he would put together a group of people like this you know um you know that's that's the one thing about it is is just that the the mind of miles davis and and how you know how interesting it must have been just for him to keep up with his own self yeah i guess we should we should sort of mention who's playing um so it's miles davis on trumpet um he's got some members of his mid-60s uh quintet here wayne shorter is on soprano saxophone john mclaughlin electric guitar um newcomer chick korea on electric piano yeah. who also became a huge figure in jazz in the next decade. Herbie Hancock on electric piano. Uh, Joe Zawinul on organ. Yeah, I, I love him. I love yeah. Joe. <laughs> um, Dave Holland on bass and Tony Williams again on drums. Yeah. And then we have to um, mention also the producer, Teo Macero, because um, it was Miles Davis and Teo Macero that really crafted what was In a Silent Way, the original yeah. album. Um. Yeah. So. That's yeah, and I, I going back to the producer. Yeah, that was that was pretty big too because it was like you said it was one of the first times Miles got this electric and as far as the guitar and and a lot of the organ parts, you know his his part in this is very big because, you know, as a producer, obviously he has to get everything kind of, you know, in the mix and and make sure everything is right and. You know, again, goes goes back to the whole issue of trust where, you know, if, if it's not right, Miles is going to say, you know, this sucks. Let's do it again, you know, or let's. But obviously, you know, they they worked it out, you know, to where, you know, it, it was right. You know, and I mean, it's just a really it's a really interesting period to see what was then about to be something much bigger on the, the side of jazz where, you know, electric fusion sort of kind of you know explodes um and uh i i'm i I, this is another record that i i hadn't really listened to a whole lot i mean i'd heard certain songs quite a bit but you know this was like one of the first times i'd sat down and listened to the whole thing like in its entirety for like Uh a, a really long time and especially this version of it where you get all these big chunks of of unedited material i'd really never heard a lot of that and um yeah yeah. just really 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 crazy period i mean just 
I mean, just he's he was a brave dude, you know. I mean, just to be able to actually deal with record labels and and promoters and and critics and fans and all that, and not like you know pull all his hair out. I mean, he he had to be really thick skinned at times. I'm sure where people said all kinds of crazy stuff, and I'm I'm sure Miles said a lot of crazy stuff back. Miles <laughs> seemed like one of those guys that would hold his tongue, you know. To, to anybody i'm sure he yeah, he, yeah. he probably cussed out people up and down oh i'm sure <laughs> but he, he was he was such a brave guy and such a a bold innovator to to be able to kind of write his own ticket you know yeah or punch his own however you want to look at yeah. it i mean so anyway you mentioned the critics um and from what i read it was like a split um, for the most part, the rock critics loved this album because it was sort of, you know, he was he was bringing in that art form, you know, that they were writing about to his music. And yeah. the jazz critics hated it. Yeah. And they were like affronted by it. I mean, they were yeah. they were, they just. Yeah. I mean, so in the jazz world, they were just up in arms about this album. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's hear the first track that we're going to listen to. Uh, this is sh slash peaceful. And we just heard sh slash peaceful and we're going to move on to directions one this is a track that was not released on the original albums i wanted to to include one of these because um really most of the material on the complete in a silent way sessions is not on the original record yeah, yeah. um 
And it's, you know, some of these tracks, I can't believe you would hear something like this and just be like, ah, nah, let's not release it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is an awesome track. I love this. Um, It's very rock, very hard hitting track. This kind of, it has this kind of relentless motive. Um, It's going on, like I said, very hard hitting, very hard hitting drums um, and very kind of spastic drumming style kind of a la Mitch Mitchell you know from the Jimi Hendrix experience is sort mm-hmm. of just just constant spastic sort of yeah. <laughs> drumming style uh, and he did have a connection to Hendrix during this period through his wife that he was only married to for a year I guess she introduced Miles to Jimi Hendrix and Sly Stone I think that was Betty Yes, um, Betty. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I want to say her last name was Davis. You know, don't, well, don't it go. it was later Davis. It was but, when they got married. Yeah, it was something yeah. else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I, um, but I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So she introduced him to Hendrix. I read, you know, that he and Hendrix were talking about doing a record together. Which, geez, what would that have been like? Yeah, that that um, could have been really fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But um. Uh. Yeah, man, I really like this track. This track really features Miles um, just blowing over this really hard um, backdrop, you know, that the other musicians are putting down. And uh, again, it's something really new, really different. Um, it's something that I thought was really cool. What did you think of this one? Yeah, I, I, I love it, too. Again, it's I think it's 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 one of those one of those examples of Miles having things going on in his head and um just questioning everything that's you know considered to be you know wrong and right about jazz and um obviously taking influences you know from outside of jazz and uh playing into what he he's all about you know and and still you know having things going around him but being at the center and uh like you said it's it's got some crazy drumming i mean like i said tony is it's just a monster on the drums. I mean, he's he's I mean, obviously one of the most revered drummers ever. And on this it it shows where he he just goes off and then the you know the the electric side of this, you know, is it's just so much fun. And I, I think that's that's another issue too with Miles Davis is that a lot of people don't maybe think about this, but I think Miles, you know, he enjoyed having fun, you know, presenting new ideas to himself and other people and um you know wanted to stay fresh and and that's in this period i i definitely hear that you know with this song and with this with this whole record you know and it's one of those deals where you know if you could keep up cool and if not you know i'll see you on the next go around (laughs) you know yeah so that that's one of the, the the things i'm taking from this for sure is that uh you know he he definitely was able to um you know, try a lot of new things, you know, and, and sometimes very last minute, you know, obviously, like you said, with, with bringing in John, you know, that that's, that's just amazing to me that he was not even considered for the session until the day before, <laughs> I know. you know, that, that is really insane, but, yeah. but that's, that's really Miles Davis, you know, and I mean, he was, he was a tremendous talent in that sense to where, you know, he could he could see it almost like you know he had this telepathy if you would this 
the spiritual intuition where he could, you know, he could see things, you know, developing even before they got in the studio. I mean, that's that's an amazing talent to have that ability. And I, I think Miles had that, you know, big time. So Yeah. Yeah, man. Let's check this out. This last track from the complete in a silent way sessions. This is Directions One. just heard directions one and that's going to do it for 1000 recordings podcast number 54 if you'd like to send us an email send one to 1000 recordings podcast at gmail.com you can join us on twitter at 1000 rp you can join us on our facebook page and uh if you would like to support the podcast in some way one way you can support us is to go to itunes and write us a review and leave, leave us a rating and we will read that review on the show and also if you'd like to support us um and help us out with some of our expenses that are related to the podcast you can go to our page at patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash 1000 rp and you can sponsor us by um being becoming a patron of uh, our podcast and uh yes next week or next show i gotta stop yep. saying next week <laughs> next show um we will wrap up talking about miles davis with the very next album from the same year bitches brew 
yeah. that um, was such a landmark album and really codified the fusion movement that everybody jumped on in the next decade. Um, and then we're going to continue with Sammy Davis Jr. I Got a Right to Swing. And then with an album, an opera of Claude Debussy, Peleas et Melisande. So that should be an interesting uh, yeah. eclectic show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So oh, cool. Um, cool, man. Um, well, any parting thoughts before we go? Yeah, uh, one thing I'd like to talk about, uh, somebody we talked about um, a few shows back, uh, Joe Cocker passing away. Uh, yes. Wanted to acknowledge that. Rest in peace, Joe Cocker. That was a fun show, um, you know, looking at, at his life and especially that that period, you know, uh, um, the Mad Dogs, you know, records, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's a cool record. It's, it's a record I hadn't really focused on that much except for what I heard on the radio, you know, all the... The different Beatles songs that he he kind of you know sort of re reinvented, but uh, yeah, Joe Cocker passing away that was that was pretty significant, uh, you know. And then, like I said, that was an interesting show. I I just kind of wanted to wanted to bring that up. Um, yes. You know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cool. And I think think that's it. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Well, until next time, um, we'll cover more albums from tom moon's book 1000 recordings to hear before you die i hope everybody has a good week or weeks <laughs> until yeah. then um yeah later all right bye-bye